It's the First Amendment. Broadband style. Now stand by. TalkZone.com. Now, InfoTrack continues. Once again, here's Chris Whitting. If you'd rather not think about where that juicy steak on your plate came from, our next guest, a farmer who loves animals, will be of interest. Here's InfoTrack's Roy Mackey. Roy? Thanks, Chris. Our guest is Catherine Friend. She's a sustainable farmer who has written a book called The Compassionate Carnivore. The subtitle of her book is How to Keep Animals Happy, Save Old McDonald's Farm, Reduce Your Hoof Print, and Still Eat Meat. Catherine, welcome to InfoTrack. Thank you very much. So tell us, what is a compassionate carnivore? Well, I'm afraid a lot of vegetarians think that's an oxymoron. Yeah. You can't do both. But I don't think so, actually. I think a compassionate carnivore is one who starts paying attention. You know, for 40, 50 years, we've stopped paying attention to how our meat is being raised. We just want it cheap, and we want it easy and convenient. And since we've been looking away, things have been not so good for the animals and the environment. So a compassionate carnivore is one who starts looking again, starts paying more attention. And you're described as a sustainable farmer. Some people may not be familiar with that term. So why don't you explain what that is and how you got into it? Sure. Sustainable farming actually is returning to sort of pre-World War II farming. It's kind of the old-fashioned way to do it. You don't put a lot of chemical fertilizers or pesticides on your land. You farm more naturally. Maybe you use manure instead of fertilizers. The animals graze, so they're out there. They're distributing their own manure. They're harvesting the sun's energy through grass. For me, the sustainability idea is kind of a three-legged stool. First one is economics. The farm is a business, so it has to make money. Mm -hmm. Two is the environment. You need to work with it rather than against it. And three is quality of life, both for the animals and for the farmer. So I eat meat, and I'm also a big animal lover. And I do have to say from time to time that I wonder if that's not a bit hypocritical, is it? Once again, a vegetarian might say yes, or an animal rights activist might say yes. But that's not how I approach the problem, because I, too, am a carnivore, and... I'm always going to be a carnivore. We've been eating meat for hundreds of thousands of years, and I'm not willing to change, actually. I love the way meat tastes. So I think it is possible, but if someone has guilt, then one possibility is to pay more attention to where the animal's raised and maybe make sure that it had a decent life. And if you can't reconcile that, then maybe not eating meat is the way to go. But for me, I'd rather look the animal in the eye and give it a really good life. Most people these days, as you've been saying, have no contact at all and really give no thought to where these animals come from that we eat. But unlike nearly everyone else, you actually eat the animals that you raise and, I guess, come to know. I think most of us non-farmers would think that would be pretty hard to do emotionally. Well, it was initially, but the interesting thing is everyone is eating an animal. When people eat meat, they're eating an animal. Mm -hmm. But somehow they think it's more horrifying to have met the animal. Well, actually, it's the opposite, because I have much more respect and gratitude, actually, for my meat now, because I know how much work goes into keeping these animals healthy and safe and alive. It's not as easy as I thought. I thought, you know, you just stick an animal out in the pasture and they just stand there and all is well. It's not quite that easy. So my appreciation has gone way up. And I have a friend, actually, who calls our meat happy meat. She likes knowing that the animals may have short lives, but they're happy lives, and people feel good about that. 
You have a story about kind of a distressing lesson that you learned about your favorite food at the Minnesota State Fair. Maybe you can just share that story. Sure. Minnesota State Fair, they put all sorts of food on a stick. You name it, they put it on a stick. And one of my favorite foods is a pork chop on a stick, and it's really, the spices are great. Early in the day, I had gone to the Miracle of Birth Barn, where you can watch animals being born, and there was a four or five sows, and they're each kept in these gestation crates where they can barely stand. They can't have access to their piglets. The piglets can have access to them. But these poor animals are just laying there like basically just nothing but a milk bladder. And I felt so awful, and I realized, boy, this is factory farm staring me in the face here. And I said, that's it. I am done. I'm never going to eat another piece of pork that's been raised this way. Three hours later, I totally forget that, and I'm standing at my pork chop on a stick booth, and I buy it and eat it, and about two hours later, it just hit me what I'd done. It is really hard to sort of keep that in mind and to make those changes. So in my book, I try and make sure that people are easy on themselves initially. So you've referred to this a number of times as we've been talking. How can people go about making the right decision if they want to avoid factory farm meat? Presumably they need to find a small farmer, I guess, and buy directly. What do they do? Well, the first thing is to start small, to not make that statement, okay, I'm never going to eat meat again that's come from a factory. That is just almost impossible, actually, because most of the meat in grocery stores and restaurants comes from a factory. So you start small. You go to a farmer's market. A lot of states have some sort of sustainable farming association. They might have a department of agriculture that might have a list of small farmers. Another option is online. Just Google your state and sustainable farming or something like that. It's going to take some creativity because the system isn't set up to connect the small farms with customers. Say you want to buy a quarter of beef. That's 100 pounds. That's almost too much for most families to handle in their freezer. So you find four other neighbors or four people at your church or in your office, and you split it. You work together and make it something fun rather than work. But it is going to take a little more effort. It's not as easy as walking into your supermarket and buying meat that way. And presumably it would be more expensive as well, right? Possibly, but not necessarily. We have a friend who sells beef and he charges two seventy-five a pound. That's for the whole thing. So you can't buy a lot of beef in the store for that. Yeah. And it's going to depend on the area of the country and everything. But mm. everyone's got to look at this issue and figure out what's most important to them. And I would think that there are probably some questions you should ask of that farmer if you do locate one, right? Absolutely. What should you ask? The first thing is, can you come visit? Farmers can't spend a lot of time giving tours, but it's a great way to see what the place looks like or ask for photographs. You want to ask them how they raise their animals. Are they being fed mostly grain or mostly grass, something in between? Do they give them a lot of antibiotics? Do they give them a growth hormone? Are they outside, inside? You know, and I go through some of these questions in my book, just kind of helping people sort out what's important for them, because you can't have the perfect situation for anybody, really. And as far as the health benefits of eating meat that is, I guess, free-range, for lack of a better term, or animals that have not been raised in factory settings, is it healthier? There's a lot of studies that say things both ways. I'm not a nutritionist, so I'm kind of staying away from that. But intuitively, it seems like it is, because pasture-raised animals are eating more grass. They're grass-fed. And animals in feedlot are eating a lot of grain, a lot of corn. And, you know, what's higher in fat content, a bucket of corn or a bucket of grass? going to be the corn. And so what the animals eat turns into meat, and then we eat it. 
So the uh, grass-fed beef is lower in fat, there's more omega-3s, there's more conjugated linoleic acid, CLA, which we need to fight cancer. So there's a lot of good things in grass-fed meat. So any final pieces of advice or final thoughts you'd like to leave with our listeners regarding this whole topic? Food is a passionate, passionate topic. People do not like being told what to eat. So I'm hoping that people start talking about it. They may not make changes, but I'm hoping that people just start thinking and paying more attention and making their own choices about what's important to them. Very interesting and certainly very thought-provoking discussion. Catherine Friend, the author of the book, The Compassionate Carnivore. Catherine, is there a website where people can get more information? Yes, CompassionateCarnivore.com or my own website, CatherineFriend.com. Thank you very much for joining us on InfoTrack. Thank you very much. I enjoyed it. For InfoTrack, I'm Roy Mackey. You're listening to InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know.